Dear people of God, before we get started tonight, I just want to lay out a little roadmap for what, what I have in mind uh, as we walk through the Psalms of Ascent tonight. So first of all, I just want to, I want to give you sort of a brief overview of what we're talking about when we talk about the Psalms of Ascent and, and how they were used. Then we'll read the Psalm and then I'll just offer a, a brief, short, de uh, devotional thought uh, at the end. So to get us thinking here tonight, to get us started, I just, I just want, to, want us to think about this. I want you to think about what's on your mind when you travel. I'm not talking about the, the little trips that we make as part of our everyday routine. I'm talking about those big trips when we're going to the special place. What's on your mind when you travel? I think in general, we could talk about it, we talk about it in two ways. When we're traveling to that big place, that special place, we talk about there's the journey and then there's the destination. Those of us who, who like to think about the journey, we, we like to think about things like, well, how far is it going to be? How long is it going to get from point A to point B? How long is it going to take to get there? How many, how many stops do we need to make along the way? Those of us who are more interested in the destination, we're, we're not concerned so much as of, of how we get there as much as we're concerned about where we're going. Who we're going to see when we get to wherever we're going and what we're going to get to do with those people. When we think of the Psalms of Ascent, we could think of them in these terms, in, in terms of like we're going on that big trip. And so we want to think about the journey and the destination, where we're going. Well, where are we going? To answer that question, we need to unpack a little bit more, a little bit more of the background because there's, there's two bigger ideas, two more popular ideas about how these psalms were, were originally used. The one thought goes like this. Imagine for a moment that you are a priest. You wake up on Sabbath morning. You put on your priestly garments and, and you make your way up to the temple in Jerusalem. You're joined by some of your priest friends and along the way, you're singing songs, reciting verses, reciting these verses, singing these songs, these songs of ascent. That's one idea. The other idea wasn't so much that they were only used for the priests, but that these were used for God's people more broadly. Remember that in the Old Testament, there were three times that God had, had told the people, I want you to come back to Jerusalem, make a pilgrimage back to Jerusalem for a festival to celebrate. The Passover would be an example of one of these fest festivals. Along the way, as the people are making their way from all over Judah and Israel, they're singing songs. They're singing these songs. Whichever theory you like, whichever idea you like, whether it's the, the, that the, they were originally used by the priests or that they were originally used by the people, I hope in my explanation that you caught the theme. 
this, this common idea between the two that, that we're going back. We're going back to the place where God promised to be. Now, by saying that, I want to be clear that I'm not trying to say that God isn't present everywhere. It's true. God is present everywhere. Scripture makes that abundantly clear. But two things can also be true at the same time. And it's also true that God promised that he would be present in the temple of Jerusalem in a special way. As we go through these psalms in the coming weeks, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of one of those priests. Put yourself in the shoes of one of those pilgrims making their way back to Jerusalem. Along the way, I hope you'll see that in these psalms, God speaks to us a word of peace. A word of peace for our journey and then points us ahead to the peaceful destination that is still yet to come. The psalm for our consideration this evening is the first psalm of ascent. We just sang it a few moments ago. Psalm 120. There the psalmist writes, I call on the Lord in my distress and he answers me. Save me, Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. What will he do to you and what more besides you deceitful tongue? He will punish you with a warrior's sharp arrows, with burning coals of the broom bush. Woe to me that I dwell in Meshach, that I live among the tents of Keter. Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. This is God's word. Would you pray with me? Lord God, in these days of busyness, unrest, and trouble, bring your word to us, and through that word give us peace. May the meditation of our hearts and the words of our lips, may they be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Imagine for a moment that you are living in hostile territory, surrounded by enemies. Do you like where you are? Of course not. No one in their right mind would want to be in a place where they are surrounded by their enemies, and yet so often in our lives, doesn't it feel that way? Doesn't it feel like there are people all around us who speak with lying tongues? People who want to wage war against us. People who, who hate us. How would we respond? Our first thought might be that, that well, if, if we're surrounded by enemies who, who hate us and who want to fight with us, well, then the only solution can be that we have to fight back. 
And so if they're going to lie, well, we'll lie about them. If they're going to hate us, we will hate them. And if they want to wage war, then we will bring war upon them. Does that sound like something you want to be a part of? It's really not a solution at all, is it? In the end, if us and them are acting the same way, then there's really not much that makes us and them very much different. (coughs) What if instead of fighting with your enemy, you said, okay, the enemy's over there, I'm over here. Instead of trying to fight with that enemy, maybe I'll just try and ignore them. I'll just try and ignore them altogether. I'll I'll try and keep my head down and keep quiet, and, and maybe, just maybe, they'll leave me alone. But what if they don't? What if the enemy continues pestering you day after day after day? How long would it be before you crack under attacks like that? This really isn't a solution either. If you've ever felt overwhelmed, if you've ever felt anxious or distressed, you and our psalm writer for tonight have something in common. As he looked at the world around him from Meshach, which is in modern-day Turkey, or, or Keter, which is in modern-day Arabia, as he looked at the world around him, he came to this conclusion. There are enemies everywhere. Liars. Deceivers. People who are actively working against me. People who hate me. What does he do? How does he respond? Where could he go for help? Well, rather than turning to a man-made solution, rather than fighting or ignoring, here's what he says. I call on the Lord in my distress, and he answers me. The Lord, the Almighty, the King of heaven and earth, the Lord God Almighty, the God who saved Noah and his family in the flood, the God who delivered Jacob and his family through a famine, the God who rescued Israel and Moses from Pharaoh, the God who would not turn his faithful love away from his people in the turmoil and tension in the days of the judges. This is the God he calls upon. The God we call upon. It's amazing that he would call upon God, but what's even more amazing is that God would answer. 
There wasn't anything inherently good about this person that, 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 that made him more worthy to God. There wasn't anything inherently good in him that made him worthy of being answered by God. And yet, in mercy, God answers the prayer. He answers the prayer by saying that like arrows in the hand of an expert archer, so God's righteousness, God's justice will fly. God delivers his people. Maybe in your life right now, you're feeling overwhelmed, anxious, tired, or distressed. Then I'm thankful that you're here tonight. I'm thankful that you're here for our Advent devotions where we can return again back to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that we can once again see our King, Jesus Christ, who came and defeated all of our enemies for us. I'm thankful that you're here tonight for Advent because here in Advent we look forward to that second coming of Jesus when the King of kings and the Lord of lords will come again to make all things new. He is coming with his power. He's coming with his might. He's coming to bring justice down upon your enemies. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen.